So we are exploring the 11th and 12th chapters of the book of Hebrews in these weeks. And we're considering the theme of faithfulness as we look at these two chapters. Uh, The writer of Hebrews, we have to kind of read this book as if we're reading a sermon. The writer of Hebrews is a preacher. And like any good preacher, he's using ancient texts and stories to help the people to whom he's preaching understand a very contemporary circumstance in their lives. And in this particular case, that circumstance probably involves the persecution of the church that was going on. Perhaps we can't be sure of this, but good chance it was going on the Neronian persecution when Nero was persecuting the Christian church when he was emperor of Rome. Uh, So much of the book suggests that the people of The church are experiencing that persecution, especially in the city of Rome. And in chapter 11, what the writer of Hebrews does, he's looking back at examples of faithful men and women in times past. He gives us a very, very, very short course in kind of the history of of the Old Testament and, and talks about the way in which faithfulness was the important element in keeping them on the road of relationship with God. And then in chapter 12, there's a call not to look back, but to look ahead and to look to the one who is leading us now, the one who has finished the race and is urging us on to run the race with perseverance, urging us on to persevere and to hang in there. And so we look today at chapter 12, verses 1 through 13 in the book of Hebrews. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as children. My child, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, or lose heart when you are punished by him. For the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and chastises every child whom he accepts. Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children, for what child is there whom a parent does not discipline? If you do not have that discipline in which all children share, then you are illegitimate and not as children. Moreover, We had human parents to discipline us, and we respected them. Should we not be even more willing to be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share his holiness. Now, discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight the paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Let's pray. 
Lord, help us this morning by the work of your spirit to understand both how the ones who originally heard this heard this and how we might hear it today and help us to find that common denominator between the two, that encouragement to pursue and to persevere in relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This past year, I received a gift from the folks that published a book that I wrote, InterVarsity Press. They send their authors every year, they send them a gift. And this past year, it was a day-by-day calendar of quotes over the last 75 years from books that they had published. And so, you know, you, you rip off each day and you've got a quote from a book that they've published. And I didn't make the calendar, by the way, but uh, they, you pull off the, the little sheet. It's on a little sheet like this. And I was reading November 7th as I was preparing for this sermon. And it was a quote from from F.F. Bruce. It gives a good rule to all of us about reading the Bible and how if the notion of location, location, location is the primary and cardinal rule of real estate. Context, context, context is the primary rule of reading the Bible. Don't rip any verse out bleedingly from its text and ignore the fact that it's bleeding uh, when you use it either to beat someone over the head with it or to somehow beat yourself up with it. Uh, Not a good idea of a way to use the Bible. And keeping something in its context is absolutely essential to us understanding it and then bringing it into our contemporary understanding. And this particular quote was from F.F. Bruce, a book called The Canon of Scripture that they published in 1988. And by the way, I realize the calendar by its very nature is a similar sort of thing. Uh, I just want you to know that I know that. Uh, But this one isn't bleeding, as you can see. I think I'm putting it in the right context. Anyway, F.F. Bruce says this, it's not enough to say the Bible says without at the same time considering to whom the Bible says it and in what circumstances. Each part of the canon makes its contribution to the whole, but that contribution cannot be properly appreciated unless attention is paid to the historical setting of each part in relation to the whole. In other words, put it in its context. It's a good foundational reminder about reading anything, but especially when it comes to reading the Bible, because context is so important because things ripped from context have been used throughout the centuries to create all sorts of misleading ideas and theologies. As a friend of mine in seminary once put it, Keith McKinney, he said, God never would have given us the Bible if he knew what we were going to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) And as I thought about today's text and looked at this whole idea of context, uh, actually another quote ripped from context came to my mind because it's such a great illustration of this text and the way that we might abuse this text about discipline, especially. But my mind came upon a a source that was published not unlike the calendar or bookmarks or billboards or bumper stickers. It was this case, a t-shirt with the quote on it. 
a t-shirt that I received one time when I was flying to Dubuque and arrived without my luggage. And my host basically gave me a t-shirt that I could wear and basically gave me clothes to sleep in and a, a pair of trunks with the University of Dubuque logo on it. But the t-shirt said this, it was a, it was a gray workout t-shirt that was issued by the Marine Corps to its recruits, I think. And I don't know how my friend Jeff got it, but I got it. And anyway, I can't remember whether it's on the, I think it's on the back of the t-shirt on the front, it says just Marines, US Marine Corps, an appropriate illustration for this post Veterans Day Sunday. We can, <laughs> we'll talk more about that later, but uh, they, the reality is, is that uh, on the back of this t-shirt, it says, and no doubt these were t-shirts that were worn by recruits at basic training, but the back of the t-shirt says pain, is weakness leaving your body. That's a perfectly appropriate t-shirt for a 19 year old at basic training to wear. It makes a lot less sense for a 65 year old body (laughs) when often it feels as if pain is the sign of life leaving your body. (laughs) And Hebrews 12, if it's ripped from context, can sound as if it's sending a message similar to that message that the t-shirt is sending. Try harder, strive more, work yourself to the point of death because it's just a sign that pain is leaving your body. Like the t-shirt, this passage from Hebrews is sort of a call to endurance. It's a call to perseverance. It's a call to move through adversity. It's also a call to to gut it out, to strive at, at some level. But it's important to remember that the adversity they were enduring was a specific kind of adversity. And for us not to apply all adversity to this particular notion of discipline that he talks about. It was an adversity of persecution. It was an adversity of social ostracism and and bodily threat of being the enemy of the state because of religion and race. And part of what's true in the book of Hebrews is that the author is pretty much saying things are probably going to get worse before they get better. And there's not much that you can do about it. But here's how you might think about patiently hanging in there and enduring. And he uses that Greek word that's used so often in Paul and and in other places in the New Testament letters. It's the word upomeno, which means to patiently endure. It means, in a sense, to to hang in, if you will. It's it's almost the notion of abiding under something, abiding and, and hanging on for dear life. And hang in there primarily in this way, says the writer of Hebrews. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Meditate on his story, if you will. Take note of of who he is and who he has proved himself to be. And he uses two particular metaphors to describe what Jesus has done. He says he's the pioneer and the perfecter of faithfulness. Pioneer is the sense of the trailblazer. He's the one who has gone before us and shown us the way of of what faithfulness looks like. He has 
opened up the trail. He's the one with the machete that's creating this trail of faithfulness that, that we're walking on. But he's also the perfecter. He's the epitome of faithfulness. He's the, the one who shows us that this is all about being rooted in relationship with the Father and that he himself, as the writer says, is motivated by his joy of relationship with his Father and, and says that who for the sake of the joy set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame because the relationship with the Father was secure. The shame inflicted upon him by Rome did not make the biggest difference. It was not the final word. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying is keep in mind that your current adversity is not the last word. There's a kind of discipline in this that will refine and grow us. I can't read Hebrews 12 without getting a really big sort of ooh factor uh, when he talk, starts talking about discipline. I'm sorry, I just can't. It, it just, it feels like if that's ripped out of this context of the greater context of the book and the invitation to fix our eyes on Jesus, that it, it kind of paints the picture of a God who sort of loves creating a big plan that will manipulate us into being who he wants us to be. Let me just throw some garbage on this one and see if that will help him get better. I mean, read it over sometime. It's hard for me to read this, this portion of the book of Hebrews unless I keep it ruthlessly rooted in that context of turn your eyes on Jesus, of fix your attention on the one who has gone before us, who endured the cross disregarding its shame. To have the mind of Christ is to be willing to be faithful through what the state is saying he is or isn't. The writer of Hebrews is not saying that any or all pain or struggle or adversity is sent to us by God in a calculated way to grow us into being better people. But in this season of persecution, says the writer of Hebrews, which is where we need to listen to this notion because it, it makes faithfulness to God even harder in this season of persecution and therefore the call to persevere to hang in there and to keep your eyes on the faithfulness of Jesus is our best hope in persevering. It's kind of like the words of the 23rd Psalm, which we have no problem hearing and very rarely ascribe ill will to. But when the psalmist says the talks about the good shepherd uh, who is with us in adversity, who himself has endured the adversity in the person of Jesus Christ, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There is a part of who you are that keeps me on the path, the right path. So please forgive another calendar quotation here, but I want to bring one more up. It was October 31st, a book that I have not read. And uh, Sharon Brown is her name, a book called Sensible Shoes. It sounds like I wouldn't read it, uh, but uh, 2013. But this is the quote. Sometimes on the way to better, things get worse for a while. It kind of sums up what the writer of Hebrews is advising. 
Sometimes on the way to better, things get worse for a while, so keep going. Do your best to stay in shape for this journey that may have a rough road ahead. And then he quotes from Isaiah 35. Like I said, he's a preacher. He's, he's all over the Old Testament in this book. He quotes from Isaiah 35 and adopts it for his purposes. Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. In short, keep going and keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, I use Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 all the time as a benediction for us every single week. And Jim, I don't know whether you remember this, but one time you came up to me and you said, is it okay with the Lord if I walk the race with endurance rather than run it? <laughs> and I said, absolutely. I mean, I, I watch people run and, and scratch my head and say, I wonder what that feels like. <laughs> I'm much better in the water where gravity is not an issue. <laughs> but of course it's okay to walk the race with endurance because we all have to translate this metaphor into its context because we're all on the journey and we're on that journey in a variety of ways with a variety of, of energy for the journey. And whether you walk or run, the point is really just simply the methodical choice to put one foot in front of the other and to patiently and persistently endure. Always keeping our eyes on the one who is out ahead of us because he's the pioneer and the perfecter of faithfulness. He's the one at whose name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Lord, by the power of your Spirit, give us, each of us, what we need to persevere. And above all else, give us that attentiveness that reminds us to fix our eyes on the one who is out in front of us the one who has completed the race, but also who is still with us as we engage in it. Help us to see Jesus. And so help us to know what it means to live the life that you created us to live. For we pray in his name. Amen.